Money is what makes the world go around. According to Britannica, money is a commodity accepted by general consent as a medium of economic exchange. It is the medium in which prices and values are expressed as currency. It circulates anonymously from person to person and country to country, thus facilitating trade and it is the principal measure of wealth. Now throughout time, money has taken many shapes and forms and it is continuously evolving with time. Previously, when money did not exist, people used to barter. Bartering, for those who don't know, is the exchange of goods or services for other goods or services. Because this methodology was slow and delayed trade, people started searching for more efficient mechanisms which gave rise to the concept of money. Today joining me for this podcast is James Mackey. Um, James has high interest in cryptocurrency and for me he is someone who knows a lot about economics. Uh, But keep in mind we are not experts in the field so anything we say or anything we suggest should not be taken for granted um, the facts that we mention are, st- are stuff that we say based on research we've done uh, but yeah other, other than that I hope you enjoyed this episode let's get this one started hi James how are you hi Faisal good to be back <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> one week later <laughs> one week later here we are again <laughs> I'm already out of guests. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> so I just, just um, oh no, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Thanks. So, James, I remember you had a very deep interest in cryptocurrency, especially mm. in like third and fourth year. I'm not sure about your record, your trading record. <laughs> uh, it is a bit suspicious. What uh, do you mean by suspicious? <laughs> um, there were lots of Lots of downs, but no ups. <laughs> <laughs> That's not there true. Defi- I've, I've had some ups. There were definitely a lot of losses, but I guess mm. you've learned a lot through the process. And <laughs> actually, like, it seemed for me at least a lot of the things that you've done were based on readings. You were constantly reading articles and watching YouTube videos. So for me, you're someone who has deep, deep knowledge. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm mm. basing it or I'm I'm drawing the comparison against my own knowledge in mm. in the finance sector and in cryptocurrencies in general. So I thought I should take this opportunity to educate myself and for those who are interested in this topic about cryptocurrencies, maybe a little bit about the history of finance and history of currencies and money, and uh, the future of uh, crypto in our world because it seems like it. It's not just a hype, but something that might change or cause a revolution in the finance sector. Mm. I'll do so, my best, <laughs> but uh, I yeah. have, I've lost a lot of money. So do I that's really fine. know that's what I'm talking about? Um, let's just hope you do. I mean, we already gave the disclaimer, so I think we're on the safe side here. Yeah. Um, so the first question I would like to ask you um, you know how cash previously used to be pegged to gold. Mm. Uh, nowadays, there's this concept of fiat money. Um, now, yeah. fiat money is isn't pegged to anything, right? If I'm, mm-hmm. I'm correct. 
Yeah. Um, now, if this type of currency has no intrinsic value, then what makes one currency stronger than the other? God. Um, on a sort of macro level, I'd say, uh, well, uh, ignoring geopolitical factors for a second, the, the things that go into, you know, what is the worth of a currency versus another is to do with what sort of goods and services you can buy with that currency. Um, so let's just take, for example, uh, God, uh, like pick, pick like a, a South American currency, like uh, a, a peso or something. Okay. Like if you've got that uh, versus the US dollar, why would you pay more pesos for one US dollar than the other way around. It's because the US is more developed, potentially. Uh, they have, you know, more developed industries and you can buy more specialized goods and services. Whereas if you go the other way around, uh, then, you know, especially if we jump back a few hundred years when uh, sort of, you know, Latin and South American countries were less developed, uh, their goods were less sought after. Um, like in like yeah so it's, it's to do with that it all comes back to sort of supply and demand at the end of the day but then there are other things that can affect it uh sort of geopolitical things and sanctions but again all of those do just impact supply and demand so let's look at uh russia's currency uh for a minute uh that's fallen astronomically uh since their invasion of ukraine because of all the sanctions placed on them, which means we aren't allowed to, you know, buy Russian goods um, because our countries won't accept their uh, exports anymore and vice versa. And so why would I want some Russian currency? I wouldn't because I can't do anything with it. So that makes it like worth a lot less to me than a British pound. Okay, so if I understood correctly, it's all about the, I'm not sure if the term that I'm using is correct, the purchasing power of that country? Yeah, it's, it's what can you do with that currency. If, if suddenly the US gets bombed, nuked, it just disappears, and you can't buy anything, any US goods, then what's the point in having US dollars? There isn't any. Okay, and why do countries trade or perform all their trades in U.S. currency? Is it to keep more of that strong currency and be able to purchase more goods and services from, let's say, the U.S.? Mm. So that, that has to do with more the political power of the U.S. They're sort of like, you know, the leaders of the free world, if you will. They have huge military and political influence uh, over most countries in the world uh, and so to an extent what they want uh, other countries to do they will do because there will be consequences otherwise so you know if, if, if someone who buys up 90% of your exports uh, says to you I want you to take all payments for your experts, exports in the US dollar and if you don't we'll sanction you 
this is a very extreme example that wouldn't happen necessarily, then you're going to do it because otherwise your country will miss out massively. So it's it's to do with political influence. Uh, and, you know, you could argue that uh, over the next coming decades that that will sort of disappear uh, for the US dollar. And, uh, you know, you could see a shift over to the, uh, the Chinese yuan instead as being sort of global powerhouse and the, the sort of global currency. Okay, and now with, with fiat money, as we said, it's no longer pegged to gold. And, you know, we've already discussed that, you know, there are certain factors that give it its intrinsic value. But mm-hmm. what caused people to make this shift and to stop pegging the currencies to to something else, such as gold? Well, why did uh, they, they get rid of the gold standard? Yes. Uh... Oh God, that uh, I don't know a specific answer um, from memory. I think it's you know they didn't have enough gold reserves stored away uh, to sort of you know equate uh, to the amount of money they were they were printing, and so they had to drop it. But I could be wrong on that. Do you think it has to do with the ability to print money? You know, because gold used to put a restriction on how much money you can print as a country. Mm. And, you know, there's, there might be some factors such as inflation where you want to, I think, print more money in order to kind of handle it in a certain way. Now, the, if, uh, sorry if the question is going to be too vague. It's because I'm also confused and a bit <laughs> lost. I mean, like, if, if you print more money, uh, it mm. will eventually uh, lead to... Uh, Oh, what am I saying? I don't want to say anything wrong here. Um, uh, uh, it's fine. It's fine. We can, <laughs> we can skip <laughs> skip this yeah. question if it's gonna if it's gonna yeah if it's gonna be too confusing for for people who are listening and it's gonna confuse us as well. Uh, but yeah, so nowadays we're seeing the shift towards cryptocurrencies and countries wanna build their own centralized digital currencies. Mm. Um, However, the question I want to ask is, you know, Bitcoin is, and and other forms of cryptocurrencies, they're digital. It's something you can transfer online. But at the moment, we do have credit cards and we have Swift and we can do transactions and they can reach different bank accounts across different nations in a little amount of time. So why are people excited about this idea of cryptocurrencies? Yeah, uh, I think it's sort of a multifaceted question, but the the main points are that well, I mean, in some instances, things like you know swift payments, just uh, normal bank transfers, they can be almost instantaneous, actually faster than like Bitcoin transactions, um, in order to sort of go through. But the appeal of like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies generally is. Uh, the sort of security behind it so um, you know it, it other than it doesn't stop uh, illegal payments uh, it means that there's always a record of them but it stops you being able to sort of double spend your money so an example would be like if you have a credit card right and uh, you go to uh, 
you know a, a car dealership say and you buy uh, a car on your credit card then you could drive away with uh, the car and then you could cancel the payment uh, in certain circumstances on your credit card and then the only person losing out would be the person who sold you the car they wouldn't get any money and you'd have a free car now that would be illegal but it could happen this can't happen with cryptocurrency it stops you from double spending um, and it also makes sure that any transaction that has been sort of completed and validated um, in the past can't be changed again so you can't sort of go back in time and fiddle around with different accounts so it sort of stops fraud in those two instances um, and then you know the whole decentralized aspect of it a lot of uh, adopters of cryptocurrencies uh, sort of are there for the idea of uh, decentralized finance so they're against the idea of you know all the big banks controlling the money and power being uh, in the hands of the few rather than the many and so it's almost a political stance uh, sort of choosing to store your money in bitcoin uh, but then for a lot of others, um, the reason they've bought it is because they're treating it as uh, an, an asset. It's, you know, it's something that's going to make them rich in the future as opposed to they actually care about any of the, um, you know, the utility of cryptocurrency. Yeah, no, as you said, other than I was actually reading something and I've noticed that people were using cryptocurrencies as a humanitarian asset. Mm. Um, according to what I've read, they've mentioned that despite the unfavorable characteristics of some cryptocurrencies, which hopefully we'll tap into later on, um, this innovative technology has a positive effect of supporting those who have been disenfranchised by the global financial system by serving as a store of value for people in countries facing rampant inflation. Um, mm. They're saying that this, the decentralized nature of these te technology is what prevents governments from controlling or appropriating people's assets. Um, so it seems to be a very popular, very popular in countries where they're having a lot of inflation, mm -hmm. um, such as maybe North American countries. So people are using it just to just to save their money somewhere where it will always have a value and it won't. Um, dep is, is depreciation yes. the correct term to use here? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was mentioned on like fairplanet.org, uh, which I found really interesting. Um, but for me, it's always it's always the fact that cryptocurrencies are are volatile and they're constantly going up and down. You could. You could lose money at any point. You can make money. Yeah. You can make a lot of money. Uh, so there's this fear factor uh, that this encourages me from investing in, mm -hmm. in bitcoins and, and other cryptocurrencies. Um, now I know you as a person. I know you like them, and I know you're, <laughs> you're a big fan of uh, cryptocurrencies, and you've done trades in the past. Um, so what's your motive? Why why do you like trading in in cryptocurrencies even though you know they're they're very volatile? Yeah. So um just before I get onto that like about the volatility thing. 
the reason it's so volatile is because people are, are treating it as an asset where they can make or lose money and mm. when you know let's say you own a house and suddenly you know that house loses 90 percent of its value you might be like oh crap uh you know I'm, I'm getting scared and so you pull out immediately which can you know send you, you so you sell at a loss your house basically um because mm. you were too chicken to hold on tight and as a result, that can further push down house prices and things like that. So it has a knock-on effect. And so uh, because of the sort of irrational behavior of people uh, getting scared um, or let's say the other way, you know, um, they, they see the price going up and they're like, wow, it's going to keep going up. So I'm not going to sell. I'm going to hold my money because I don't want to miss out. And so then that means there's less people selling bitcoin and more people buying it because they want to hop on the train so it send uh, you know it sends the price skyrocketing so it's it's all that sort of irrational behavior um because it's being treated like a really risky stock as opposed to a currency at the moment uh but as it uh has more use cases so uh bitcoin for example uh you know what why do you need a currency you need a currency so that you can buy goods and services with it. Like that was the whole Correct. reason. It was a more efficient way of, uh, you know, uh, being able to buy things than just the bartering system. But mm. at the moment, I do feel like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies at large do have this issue of, uh, apart from buying drugs, uh, hitmen, etc., etc., on like the dark web. Mm there is like compared to like fiat currencies there is a severe lack of ways you can actually spend your money and so that all that's left for it at the minute is as an investment vehicle um and so i think as you know more and more companies decide to take uh bitcoin payments or other cryptocurrency payments like i think amazon said they were thinking of t accepting bitcoin you know as you can actually use your cryptocurrency as a currency and that volatility will die down and it will become a lot more stable um but as for why i like doing it it's the exact opposite uh it's because of those wild fluctuations based on you know news flow or uh celebrities tweeting good things or bad things about a certain coin um it makes it very attractive uh in order to you know to to trade it um, so buying and selling quickly um, because there's a lot of money making potential when those prices change um, so yeah it's, it's kind of I mean the thing with that versus like a stock is uh, although there is a lot of guesswork involved in, in valuing a stock there are sort of methods behind it whereas at the moment I feel like cryptocurrency it's it's you know what what is the sentiment behind it does xyz youtuber like this cryptocurrency and if yes i'm going to buy it and so the price goes up and so it is to an extent gambling and i'm a bit of a gambler uh so that's why i trade it fair enough <laughs> but like, i remember uh, Elon musk tweeting one time about a certain cryptocurrency and its prices just went downhills 
Mm-hmm. And then he ended, did he end up buying a lot of that currency and then boosted up its value again? Oh, I mean, he does so many dodgy stuff, to be honest. I, what I remember was he said that he was going to accept Bitcoin as payment for Tesla. And then he went back on it and said, actually, it's really uh, environmentally unfriendly. Uh, and they stopped accepting Bitcoin's transactions. Uh, and that sent the, the price down. Um, yeah. He did the same with Twitter, right? Like a couple of weeks ago. Well, he's offered to buy it. He's, he's just, he's, he's a memer, is, uh, is Elon. He, you know, uh, <laughs> buying Twitter for him is like buying, like it's, it's like you right now deciding to, to buy a few MacBooks. It's a lot of money, but, you know, you can afford to spend it. Um, What's the motivation, you think, behind this purchase? <laughs> I mean, he, he's saying it's to do with uh, freedom of speech and sort of he wants to stop cancel culture, presumably by allowing other people to cancel the cancel culture. Um, but t- to be honest, I think it's just a big joke to him. Uh, like he didn't join the board uh, of, of Twitter well he wasn't allowed to and so now he's decided to buy the whole company that obviously won't go through that that purchase so I think he's just he's got so much money that he's he's just playing around with it for his own amusement now let's step back a little bit you've mentioned that he decided to go against accepting Bitcoin payments because mm-hmm. they're bad for the environment yeah how are they bad to be specific so like when when you make a transaction in bitcoin Mm. um someone needs to sort of you know make sure that payment goes through right and so Mm. in traditional banking or online banking you've got you know a computer system that sort of does it for you Uh, a centralized computer system but with bitcoin what you have is a decentralized system and so you have hundreds thousands tens of thousands of computers uh trying to validate it at the same time and how they do that is they solve you know this very complicated uh maths problem uh to try and basically reverse a hash code um and all those computers doing that at the same time, you know, you're pushing those sort of electrical components to their limits. Um, it generate or it uses up a lot of electricity, and that electricity, you know, uh, comes a high percentage from unrenewable uh, fossil fuels, oil, to a lesser extent, coal, natural gas, etc. And so, every time, well, you're using up that electricity, it is pumping carbon into the atmosphere and sort of contributing towards global warming and climate change so that's why it's environmentally bad because it uses up so much electricity in order to validate payments whereas a centralized system it will be comparatively very little and i believe they came up with other form of cryptocurrencies that require less energy to be mined Mm-hmm. Uh, so to say right such as ethereum i guess yeah but cryptocurrency is still uh, i'm sorry bitcoin still seems to be the most popular cryptocurrency available on the market 
Mm-hmm. Why is it? Is it just because it's the original one? Is there a certain purpose behind people focusing so much on that particular coin? Yeah, it is basically because it's the oldest, and so you know it, it cemented itself as uh, you know being commonplace, not just in crypto markets, but also just like you know like i could talk to my dad about bitcoin he wouldn't know what i'm talking about if i bring up cardano or something like that so uh, it's just become a commonplace name uh and because of that you know these these big ceos old ceos where they're not really in the know with crypto they are starting to you know accept cryptocurrency transactions through the only medium they know and that everyone else knows which is bitcoin and so in terms of what I was talking about earlier, in terms of you know making sure cryptocurrency can operate as a currency and you can buy things with it, Bitcoin is the furthest along in that regards, purely because it's the oldest and most well known, uh, not necessarily because it's the best one to serve as a currency. Now I've heard that uh, Bitcoin are planning on having different levels and correct me if I'm wrong, and each level will be used for a specific purpose. So I think there will be like a certain layer of Bitcoin or sorry, like the blockchain will be used to Mm -hmm. validate large transactions. We're talking like millions. Others will be used for day to day basis. Um, Do you think that will be successful? Will it pick up or will it still require a lot of energy for validating one Mm -hmm. coin and or will will it take more time to validate a transaction as as the chain go, goes bigger? Uh, I would say that you know the the time it takes to validate a chain is due to the number of transactions that are on a block that gets validated. So a block is just you know, a collection of transactions. If you increase the number of transactions on the block, then yes, it will increase the time it takes to for a transaction to go through. But if the number of transactions remains the same, it shouldn't increase the time. But what you're talking about, different layers, like layer two, layer three protocols, those aren't sort of done by the developer of Bitcoin. They're done by separate uh, DeFi companies. Uh, mm, but they're, okay. they're pretty cool solutions. They try and get around, um, you know, the amount of time it takes to do it and sort of fix how environmentally unfriendly it is in some situations. Uh, so it will actually speed it up and how it does that is I mean there are different ways you could do it but one of them is you have like so a Bitcoin it, the cryptocurrency it's, it's the blockchain is it's a ledger it keeps track of everything that's going on uh, but what they do is they have a ledger on top of the ledger for each wallet so let's say instead of you know, uh, validating each transaction you do, uh, every single transaction you make, uh, it keeps track of those transactions as you do them, but only puts it on the Bitcoin blockchain uh, every month or so. But the the layer on top, um, that because it's just sort of keeping track of your transactions, it's really fast because it's only sort of dealing with you and then you can have multiple blockchains for multiple individuals and then they sort of open them and then close them after a month. I'm not sure if I'm explaining it well, but it it speeds up uh, it dramatically. So you'll have different 
ledgers sitting on different layer layers and they're responsible for different transactions one might be responsible for validating transactions happening on the blockchain or sorry for per block maybe you'll have a chain or a ledger validating transactions done only by you mm. and that should speed up the process because there's less to validate per person than there is to validate on the whole blockchain is that correct yeah so like let's say as an example you make three payments over the mm. course of a month like let's say you send me a bitcoin i send you a bitcoin and then you send me two bitcoins then if you were just on the actual Bitcoin blockchain, what would happen is you'd need to, you know, do the uh, transaction, which could take time and you have to pay a fee in order to get it done every single time you make a transaction. So that's three transaction fees and three times a transaction f or to or from you is being validated on the blockchain. But what uh, sort of layer a different layered protocol would do is it would it would just tally up it would find what the end result is at the end of the month which is i've you've given me one i've given you one and then you've given me two so by the end of the month i have two bitcoin that you gave me and that's it so then it would say okay we've turned this three these three transactions into just one transaction instead and oh, so okay. Yeah, so it does it that way. Now, you've said there are transaction fees. Uh, yeah. I guess those fees are calculated in terms of the cost um, it takes to validate a, a collection of transactions or a list of transactions. It's, uh, it's to do with sort of how many transactions are waiting to be validated. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, as opposed to you know, how much electricity a computer would use, it wouldn't. It doesn't work like that. It's it works out the transaction fee based on, um, you know, is there are there only two people waiting for their transactions to be validated or two million? In which case, it's sort of the highest bidder gets in first. Um, so, it, I could I could make a sort of metaphor to the sort of London renting market. Right, and what you see is, you know, you you put in an offer on a flat to rent, and they accept your your offer, and then just as you're about to sign it, someone else comes along and says, actually, I'll pay five hundred quid a month more than the other guy was, and so they say, okay, well, you're not having the flat, then we've given it to this other guy who's willing to pay more, and so it works like that basis. It's it, the richest wins in that case. Sorry. I, I didn't really get the example. I got a bit confused yeah. about the part. So what you're saying is there are, let's say there are two people. Yeah. Both want to validate a bunch of transactions. Mm -hmm. So those ledgers, whoever offers the highest amount of money has the, the privilege to validate those transactions no no so it's okay. it's like Sorry, let's yeah. say I'll, I'll i'll try and explain my my example more clearly but let's okay. say you are yeah. homeless right okay and you want to rent a flat yeah uh, and you find a flat for 500 a month 
Okay. And so you go to the the letting agent and you say, I'd like to rent this flat. Uh, I'm willing to pay 500 a month for what you asked for. Uh, and they're like, fantastic, Faisal. Uh, mm. We'll just, you know, check your references and then we'll send you over the contract to sign. And you're like, great. And so while they're checking your references, I walk into the letting office and I say, look, I know that this one, uh, you've already got an offer on it, but how about I pay you a thousand pounds a month instead? Uh, and they're like, okay, that's great. Fuck Faisal. Uh, and they then give me the contract sign instead. So linking it back to Bitcoin, if mm -hmm. I want to send money to someone in Bitcoin and you want okay. to send money to someone in Bitcoin okay. and and we want to get on the block I'm doing air quotes wildly um, okay. then uh, you have to pay uh, a fee to the, all the computers that are sort of validating or, or mining uh, your block of transactions in order for them to do it and they're only going to validate your transaction if it's worth their time. And how do you oh, make it worth okay. their time? By offering a higher fee to them. Okay, so this means at some point the fee might be higher than the actual transaction. So In some extreme reason. cases, yeah. Like if you're trying to move 20 quid worth of Bitcoin, you might encounter that. The It's called a gas fee. Um, is this sort of uh, this fee you have to pay? Now the gas fee could be more than the amount of money you're sending. Yeah. So what's what's the solution to this? If if Bitcoin wants to become one of those cryptocurrencies that are used on a day to day basis to to buy goods and to purchase goods and services. Sorry. Well, I mean the you got to think about what what do users want? Users want mm. fast transactions at a low cost and so exactly. how do you do those i mean they're, they're sort of uh kind of entwined i guess i mean you know the, the time it takes to actually mine the block is how long it's going to take but the time it takes for you to get on the block uh is very much dependent on the number of tra transactions waiting to be validated um which in turn if that's higher then the price is higher so you could sort of, you know, uh, have more blocks um, or you just, you know, you uh, have more transactions per block. So there's more opportunities to get on it. But that would actually increase the, the time it takes for you to sort of solve the block. Um, mm. the, the sort of way that different cryptocurrencies like Ethereum or Cardano do it is they, they use a different method of validating these uh these transactions so instead of using proof of work which is what bitcoin use uh where they all solve a complex maths problem uh they use proof of stake instead which is less computationally intensive uh is quicker and is cheaper as well but i don't know too much about how that works but at the moment at least miners do get a reward for validating transactions they get rewarded by getting bitcoins right yeah so uh, like currently yeah. if every block that gets solved you like the person or the the computer that solves it gets given some bitcoin um 
and it, like it's mining because you like when you mine you get something new out of the earth right so yeah. with bitcoin mining uh you create a new bitcoin um and mm. you know they they sort of every 200,000 blocks or so they reduce the number of bitcoin or the amount of bitcoin you get per block that you solve um but with other systems like ethereum those gas fees um that's what gets paid out to the people who are mining uh, although in ethereum it's called staking uh instead so they get paid the transaction fee whereas in bitcoin uh the miner just gets a new bitcoin and there's a limited supply of bitcoins yeah right? and over time the the payout is less and less uh per block mined and so it becomes increasingly unprofitable to mine bitcoin uh unless the price of bitcoin keeps skyrocketing of course in which case like if bitcoin is worth a pound and you get you know one bitcoin every day or something uh and then it switches so you get half a bitcoin a day but bitcoin's worth a thousand then obviously you end up with more money but um yeah it, the number of bitcoins you make will gradually slow down and then once they've all been mined in like the year mm -hmm. 2100 or something then you just get paid the the gas fee or the transaction fee that other people are paying in order to uh well in order to be compensated for mining and now a lot of countries are having a ban on cryptocurrencies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's going to be probably going to be the last question I'm yeah. going to ask you here. Um, sorry, it's because we're restricted in terms of time. Uh, but what do you think of this ban? Do you think it's bad? Um, or do you think cryptocurrencies should be regulated by governments? If so, what suggestions do you have in mind? How should they regulate it? I know those are like four different questions. <laughs> I'll <laughs> do my best. With me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd start off by saying like the reason, like do, do they need some regulation? Absolutely, it's completely unregulated. But the, the reasons you have regulations are to protect people, right? Um, mm. And so uh, let's, let's look at... Um, What's an example? Uh, like Squid Coin, for example. Mm. That was like a, a, a cryptocurrency that was created after Squid Games came out on Netflix and was really popular. And uh, they sort of offered a lot of things and people bought it for the meme, but then, you know, put their whole life savings in it uh, for better or for worse. And mm. then it was what's call the rug pull you know a scam fraud where they stopped the ability of selling your squid coin uh in order to pump up the price and then they took all the money uh and just ran with it and you know that that shouldn't be happening um so that absolutely there should be regulations in place to make sure things like that don't happen and that people are uh, safe um but I think that a lot of the reasons behind government sort of banning cryptocurrency, things like that, is uh, more so to do with, you know, what their thoughts, rather than thinking about the common day man, it's, it's more so uh, how can they protect their own currency 
so mm. you know the the things you can do with your non-pegged own currency is that you can impact your economy right so you can print more money uh, quantitative easing you can change interest rates all of these things are a way of making sure that your economy is healthy uh, that people aren't dying on the streets because there's been a massive crash and things like that and cryptocurrency if everyone moves over to that then governments lose a lot of that power that they've had for hundreds of years in order to sort of control and help protect their their citizens um, so it is that loss of control, which is why they're putting in those regulations. It will, you know, by banning it or uh, regulating it heavily, it will sort of, it, it will keep the status quo, I guess. Like, you know, they'll maintain their powers uh, and they can do what they've always done. Um, whether that's for better or for worse, uh, I, I don't know. Well, the, I'm going to leave it at this note. Yeah. Um, when cryptocurrencies do become uh, so big and so important in our everyday lives, mm. what will it be pegged to? And what or who will give cryptocurrencies its value? That's a question I guess will be answered in the future. Mm. And I um, hopefully by you, we'll see you as a big uh, successful businessman. Uh, <laughs> I'd like no, to no see jokes, that no jokes. Now. Hopefully, no. I I do wish you all the best. Thank you. Uh, but it was it was fun having you again. Uh, I'm Thanks I'm gonna have you again me. next week. Oh God, <laughs> let me sleep, man. <laughs> no, no. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But yeah, till next time, James. All right. Thanks, Faisal. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, guys. And as usual, if you'd like to get in touch, please feel free to do so, um, either by sending us an email. And our email address is thehighlawpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message on Twitter. And our account is at THL underscore podcast. We also have good news for you. As you currently, as you know, currently our episodes are published on both Anchor and Spotify. However, we are planning on expanding this and increasing the number of platforms we are uploading our episodes on um, in the near future. The podcast will also be available on both iTunes and Anrami. Till next time.